If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to a completely unnecessary podcast. Number 97, Ian. Hot 97 on the East Coast. For Wednesday, (laughs) April 26, 2017, Alien Day, as Ian astutely pointed out to me before the podcast. I'm with Ian Ferguson. Uh, Hello. I'm Pat Conchie. Today we'll be talking about uh, perhaps the Super Nintendo Mini on the way. Ian, are video games better off without stories? A new scumbag seller of the week and a scumbag YouTuber in general. Night Trap, 25th anniversary, and maybe a Q&A. Ian, how you feeling? I'm like dog shit today. It's fantastic. Sorry, nauseous. High, high level of nausea from, from pain, so we're just going to hang in there. <laughs> we're hanging there. How the how the uh, the ball stretch is going? That didn't sound too good. I sure you phrased that. The ball stretches. <laughs> the yeah, abdomen the, stretches using the, the exercise ball. The ball weights I got are great. Really, <laughs> just stretching downwards. Um, no, uh, they're not helping. Nothing's helping. So you got a doctor's appointment? Yeah, sometime this week. I got a. I, I had one scheduled for yesterday. Uh, forgetting that I don't have Tuesdays off anymore. So. After he scheduled this week, he scheduled on the wrong day. Yeah, good job, Ian. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a new flea market man. Is that's out there? Hey, did you see Pat the NES Punk react to that uh, NES Classic Edition news? That's out there too, mm-hmm. uh, as well. And I was just at um, I was just at Regibalooza, Houston, which is in Pasadena, um, and uh, I had a good time. Nice. I was on a panel, a Pat panel, do the play the punk challenge at the Pat. <laughs> Um, I ended up trying to. Oh, I almost got a. Panel. I almost got a Super Air Zonk and a Bonk Three CD in the deal, which would have been good for my Turbo CD collection. I ended up getting a, a Bonk uh, Three CD. That's kind of beat up. I got to show you after the podcast. That reminds me. Uh, but uh, I had fun, and I'll see you next at Retro Spill Messen in Norway. That's in May May twentieth and twenty first. Go to retrospillmessen dot for more information if you want to fly to the Scandinavian area. And see me for a couple of days. I'm so and, sad I can't make it and, to that. And buy some cheap PAL games. I'm looking to, you know, maybe finish up my PAL NES exclusive set, of which there's a 30 something according to a certain NES guidebook. 34, I believe. But, um, Ian, mm-hmm. the NES Classic Edition has been on everyone's minds, hearts and minds since <laughs> about July. Yeah. And uh, I spoke about it last time in a bonus See You podcast segment because they announced it after we recorded. And uh, I asked you to come off of that. You weren't feeling too well. But you did watch it and yes. I didn't get my thoughts. Do you want to have a, any reaction to my reaction to that? Or what do you, th- what do you um, think? No. I mean... <laughs> it's not worth talking about, really. Uh, honestly... Just massive disappointment? It's Nintendo. It, it It's disappointing that... The discontinuation of it was something that I felt like was going to happen weeks before it happened anyways. I just, they had taken such a focus off of it, Mm -hmm. and so little had been being said about it besides them 
kind of tossing a bone out there, you know, when they were talking about, you know, getting more switches out as fast as possible. Sure, Reggie said back in January, yeah, we're, we're going to do better to fulfill yeah. them. But they weren't... Was they they, <laughs> they weren't really, uh, uh, you know, uh, ta- they were, it didn't seem to me that they were very serious. And that was upsetting. But... I honestly think the main reason for it is for them to ramp up Switch production, which is probably the thing they need to focus on most right now. Well, they can produce both at the same time. Nintendo has always produced two systems at the same time, at least, if you include handhelds. I, you know. I, I don't know what that situation is. The The bigger thing for me that, that bothered me with the whole situation wasn't necessarily the discontinuation, because the discontinuation was a problem formed by a, a, a different issue, and that was the misreading of the market the first time around when they released the damn thing. And that's what Reggie said. Reggie actually said in an interview at the end of March, right before the damn thing got discontinued, that there had been a grave disconnect between Nintendo and consumer demand for the product. Sure, which they could have corrected by saying we're going to keep producing these, but they obviously decided not to do that. I, I have a feeling they just never set themselves up in to the first it, yes. place to 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 have that sort of supply line. I have a feeling they were never going to get to that point where they were going to produce enough to meet the demand. And I had a, I have a feeling they they had that space and and they needed they needed more. They, they needed it for more important things. Well, let's put it this way. Unless they were using the same exact, exact production assembly line for the for the Switch, which obviously they were not, since they were producing the Switch at the same time as the NES Classic Edition. I don't think it's like, okay, you two workers work on the Switch, and you you two work on the NES Classic Edition. They could have figured this out. This is a multi-billion dollar company. If they really wanted to make more, they could fucking make more. Sure. I mean, let's 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 call a spade a spade. Well, they could get it done. This isn't like flying to the fucking moon, making an NES Classic Edition. No. But I think there's probably more to it than them just being like, no, we don't want to, and shutting it down. I, I, I think, like I said, I think the bigger problem was um, them not listening to the consumer demand in the first place. Sure. And I, I, I think not setting themselves up to be able to produce the right, the, the, the proper amount in the first place. So the last... Uh, the last supply is coming this week. I think you reported uh, to me the be- local Best Buy. It came already. Um, the local Best Buy got 20. There was 140 people waiting, according to customers that I spoke <laughs> to. Um, it was orderly. They were ticketed, put in line, and, uh, you know, that was it. Um, and those last 20 sold. So you're hoping that at least some of those didn't go to scalpers because they're the only ones that won. Hoping, but um, I, I don't have a lot of hope for it. I had people calling our store the day after they were discontinued, and people were asking for that mini Nintendo thing. See, see what I mean, Nintendo? These are regular people on the street that want that mini Nintendo thing. These aren't people that are going to buy the Switch necessarily. No, Calling that's it... not what I'm saying. The mini well, Nintendo thing to me sounds like a scalper. You think, oh, to you, it sounds like someone that's pretending they don't know what it is so they can come in the store and buy up all your supply? I, no, I think someone saw that it was discontinued and they just want to buy something to, to flip it. Oh, okay. I'm looking as maybe a last gas of someone that saw it and wanted to get it for their kid or something. I don't. Oh, okay. So all around a shitty situation, obviously, uh, there. But so, anyway, so, you know, moving on, now there's this these rumors of the SNES Mini on the way, um, which... I, I guess makes sense um, to a degree. I mean, at least now they know that there's a 
um, a market for this sort of thing, and they could now see how to avoid this debacle in the future. Um, if they I don't, want to. If they want to. I don't necessarily have faith in Nintendo to not avoid the debacle. Um, but they could. I mean, it, it depends on how innocent you want to think Nintendo is, and I, I, I don't necessarily think they are. Um, well, you're a gamer who's been fairly accurate in the past on tips and leaks and info about Nintendo news. They said that that's one of the reasons why they thought Nintendo was canceling the NES Classic Edition because they were developing the SNES Classic. And in my head, I don't see why you'd have to do that. You know, it's it, we, we are we are what seven months out from when potentially if the SNES Classic would ship if or or be released if we're looking at the same time frame for the NES Classic Edition. That's a lot of time, and it's not like you couldn't be producing NES Classic Editions up until that moment. Um, you know. And then work on this simultaneously. Well, I, 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 I don't. Think that's th- an excuse. I don't think that's why. It got, I, 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 I absolutely do not, by any means, believe that that's why the NES Classic got canceled. Uh, sure, it's the same. Not. It's, it'll be um, the same hardware, just a different case. I have a feeling it. that we will probably see a Super Nintendo Classic maybe around Christmas next year. What I expect is for these to be Christmas items, which is fine if Nintendo forward. just said that. If they actually said in the beginning, this is a holiday item, it's going to be very limited, and this is why, people wouldn't be going nuts as much right now about it. But they didn't. They After, after the fact, they said, oh, we always thought it was going to be a short-term item. Then you should have fucking said that and not got everyone's hopes up when you said, yes, we're trying to meet demand by making more. I think that's what it comes down to. No, I, I mean, I, I agree. That 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 part's particularly um, uh, bothersome to me. Um, and like I said, especially Reggie's, you know, disconnect. It's it, It's... It's already it, it, disconnected. It's Japan. Well, it, it, well, it's it's just Nintendo's in general. It's it's. I I don't know how many times Nintendo's seen a frothing demand for something and just ignored it. Whether it's Zelda limited editions, whether it's uh, when when the the Wii first came out and taking well over a year to get on track with that. Yeah, it's been a lot. At least with the Switch, they're trying. No, the Switch. I think they've done a, a damn good job keeping up with demand. Yeah, because a lot of people are like, yeah, my pl- my local store has them in San Diego. You can't find one, but a lot of areas are like, yeah, I see one at my Target. I see. so I think and and again, the scalping market on the Switch hasn't been extreme. It's like, yeah, if you want to pay seventy bucks more than retail to get one, you know, that's not nuts. And all my know. friends who have wanted one, who have just been out and about, have been able to find them early enough, except for you. What the fuck's wrong with me? Why I can't know. I find one? I don't know. <laughs> like, I get the worst luck when it comes to this stuff. They're all hiding from you. <laughs> They're all hiding from me. Um. <laughs> So this SNES Mini, um, if it's on the way, I actually have a lot of questions about it, too. Um, see, the NES Mini, for me, was a, a, a patch-over, right? It was something that they made for a holiday season um, where they put it out because they didn't have anything that was necessarily going to generate a shitload of money for them. They had nothing. The Wii U wasn't going to be making them money. The 3DS was still selling well, but they weren't sending out huge shipments of 3DSs. 3DSs were sold out everywhere. You couldn't find new ones. Um, All of our used ones moved within, like, honest to God, like two hours of getting them in used at the store. So that so they didn't see the connect the connection there too that we should produce more three DSs. No, they they didn't. They really should have. Let's just shit away all the money we can. (laughs) Um. Although I'm not sure that I was expecting a huge rush on three. Well, no, I mean they should have seen the black market. Whatever, fuck it. The black market to make 3ds. <laughs> the Black Friday. I was going to oh. say the, the popularity <laughs> over it. I'm so dead. Um, 
so they did this as a way. So the NES Classic to me was a way for them to earn sixty bucks a pop, and they should have generated more of them um, to sell these. But another reasoning for me to think that maybe they discontinued the NES Classic as well, and there's a lot of neat little coincidences here as to why they could have. They've got a, a, a Switch base growing quickly. Mm-hmm. These are virtual console titles, and whether you've never bought one or, or people doubt, don't know how many people are buying them, people are buying them. These are, 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 are titles. These are ROMs that people are pay $5 for on the virtual console. Mm-hmm. They were getting these for $2 a piece in a bundle pack. Sure. So if they're going to start putting them on the virtual console again for $5, they don't want to be competing with themselves. No, I understand that, but that's not launched until the fall, right? Right. So, But my question then is, they, they, they still don't necessarily want that competition. So the SNES Mini, if it's going to come out by Christmas... Do they really want that competing with the SNES ROMs sure. that they're putting on the Switch? Which is another reason that... That's one reason why I doubt the SNES Mini. Um, the other reason I kind of have doubt over... Because I, I, I only really see the NES Classic as something that they used to make money over, make money from over this last holiday season. The other reason I kind of doubt the uh, SNES Mini is for that to be effective... They would need a lot more in licensing fees for, I think, it for for it to be um, for third party games for the Super Nintendo to to make it a very attractive package. Um, we can talk about that. We we've speculated before about what would potentially be an SNES Mini in the past. I just um, think you would have to have some. I don't want to get into like a dream list of games. I'm just trying to look at it objectively from the outside. You'd need some Final Fantasies. Those are going to be Square Enix. It's sure. probably not going to be cheap licensing. What do you do about the Donkey Kong countries when Rare? Develop them. You got. You got to get the rights to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yeah. that's going to be expensive too, especially because they're they're uh, they're, they're Microsoft now. Um, you know, you you, uh, you look at some of the other big properties uh, that were popular: ActRaiser, uh, Square Enix, again as well. SimCity. Uh, if you go the one old school route, yeah. Uh, SimCity. Uh, the the you know Contra. I mean, these are all all these games, all these great games that people tend to associate with the Super Nintendo. Uh, Super Mario RPG, Squaresoft. All these great games that people associate with the Super Nintendo. It's not that Nintendo didn't make good ones, but the ones that people think of. They only Deep, published, not developed. Demon's Crest, yeah. Capcom. Um, so much licensing involved on that end. Sure. And to get back to the issue, which I think, obviously, it, I see Nintendo's point if they want to cannibalize their market. Obviously, though, I think it's fallacious because... The NES Classic appeals to a market that'll never buy the Switch, potentially. No, I, I realize and that. And if they really want to not cannibalize, jack the price 20 30 bucks, and it would still sell. Sure. Obviously, it would still sell because people are spending $200 for it on eBay. If they jacked it to 80 or 90 bucks, they sort of get some of that cost back at the same time. No, I'm not saying and, it makes yeah. sense. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. Because that's what I saw. People, whoa, the, people were speculating somehow that the NES Classic Edition wasn't making any money. And even if that's the case, the going to say, okay, it's $80. No, it's so we, making money. We just, but just, you see what I'm saying, though, how, how weird that is? Like, okay, we just made $20 more just by jacking the price. All I'm doing is trying to put myself in the Nintendo shoes of the Nintendo oh, sure, robot. Which, but even, I think even Nintendo of America is probably like, gritting their teeth, like, oh, we could have made hundreds of millions of dollars in profits on this one. We just, we just shit it away for potential profits on, on a virtual console that may not ever happen. You know? <sighs> But I, but I see your point. Super Nintendo might be priced here just because of that, unless um, Nintendo digs up all their ones that you think of. It's like, well, yeah, you're, it's running thinner than on the NES when you think about that, how many 
both NES developed and published games that they have the full rights for. It's a, it's a lot less than you think. Thing. Uh, versus the NES, where hell, if you wanted to do an NES Classic Edition 2, fucking throw all the black box games on there. You know, if you had to get rid of some of the... And people would still buy it, you know? Yep. So, uh, Ian, this, is, this was an article that came to my attention. And I'm not sure if you saw me cover an, uh, a similar article. Not similar, but from the same author, Ian Bogust of The Atlantic. Uh, saying Nintendo's sad struggle for survival back in December and how, you know, Nintendo was just, you know, just clawing, trying to get to the top of the cliff, that, that, that they're doomed. Obviously, that's that's an insane thought, even before the Switch's success. But he came back with an article asking, video games are better without stories. I'm not even asking, telling us that video games are better without stories. Uh, film, television, and literature all tell them better. So why are games still obsessed with narrative? And I didn't read the article in its entirety, but I did skim it. And what I gathered from this was just because, like he said, because video games are, are behind other mediums and telling stories, that really games shouldn't focus on that and focus what they are doing that, you know, reconstructing uh, bits and pieces of our reality as we view them, so to speak. Uh, it's an interesting argument, but obviously it's one that I, and I think the vast majority of gamers, wouldn't really agree with. Uh, because as you go back into time, the best way to really file narrative uh, in gaming is to go back in time and look at the original games. Look at Pong, where there's no story besides the cute struggle of paddles to survive their game of table tennis. Um, and then as you go forward to the first game with a the first game recognized as having a, a no narrative, Donkey Kong, where yes, you could have just had them be stick figures running up you know, a construction site to rescue another stick figure. But now we change it to having uh, a carpenter trying to save his girlfriend from his, for some reason, having a pet gorilla and adding some sort of narrative. And then as you get further, you know, a game like Wolfenstein 3D. Yes, it could just be a, shooting random people in hallways, but you're trying to escape, you know, Castle Wolfenstein in World War II as an agent, BJ uh, Blackwitch. So... Just from me, just from sprinkling in stories, or just the backstory at least, you can see that we remember these games as I I have, and I think it makes us want to play them more. Just from having even the semblance of a story attached to them, it, it, it helps you be immersed more into them. So just on its surface, uh, I think this article is just strange because um, it, without having some sort of backstory or story in games, you are far more limited in what you could tell. You are more limited to those, say, single single screen games, like Space Invaders, which even has a story, aliens are attacking the Earth. You know, like, you, you can't really get away with it unless you really get down to the nitty-gritty games like Snake, where it's like, yeah, there, there could be a story, but not really. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of, of this article, and I seem to remember the other one you mentioned. The thing is, is I've read a lot of things by this author that I, I have liked in the past. Um, this is not exactly one of them, um, mostly because I, 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 I think by the end of the article, because uh, I, 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 I did read it all the way through, I, I think he kind of gets lost in his... I think he kind of gets lost in the argument he's trying to make, but I don't think he's—I don't think he's legitimately arguing for no story. I don't think that—that's what he's actually legitimately like saying no story. I think what he's talking about are these 
games that have essentially um, become entirely focused on telling too much story and how really all it is is moving from point to point and basically something happens and you receive a chunk of story and then you keep going and then you receive another chunk and how as that sort of narrative it it's not it's not cohesive it's not particularly good at doing that i'm not saying i agree with this but i think that's kind of what he's he's getting at but um, but not all games do that even in the examples no. he he cited a couple yeah i think one was what uh, gone home right so so in in he's he he says that you know this is a, a better way for it to be done but then he gets into how it, it amounts to nothing more than teen uh you know teen drama and and, and at that point i i think it's it's, it's a bit, then it gets a bit pretentious a little uh, backhanded compliment yeah and I think uh, Gone Home is is interesting, and I, I think a, a, a game that can tell a story as you're playing it is is a good game. Um, you know, I think that's a very interesting thing, and I think games can can do that fairly well um, without having such blunt things as you know voice recorders placed everywhere or something sure. like that. Um, but. There is something to be said about finding, uh, you know, at least for me, a more natural way to to tell a story. Um, I, what gets me about this is he talks about how, and I'm trying to find it in here, about how games are made from other things, and you know what what the goal of or, or what is kind of ideal about games is taking. Um, mechanics and taking them apart and putting them back together about how like candy crush is made from bejeweled and how gone home was made from bioshock and constantly taking these pieces apart and putting them back together in new ways and about how like um uh the uh it's an it's one of the newer games the disappearance of edith finch you know mixes like comic book style and all these neat things but you need a story to make those neat things Interesting. Whereas he's arguing that's not because of the story; it's because of unique usages of the 3D game engine. But to me, without any, kind of goes back to what you say. Without any backing reasoning for doing this, what, 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 what's? I don't, I don't get it. And I love plenty of games without stories. I play score attack games and in, in, in scrolling shooters mostly, where it's aliens are there. I don't need a story to enjoy that. But for something like that, I, I need, I need a purpose. But it's interesting that he says, and I was trying to allude to. It, Combining parts, disassembling. That's what storytelling is, though. As as there's only what was it? Here it is. Seven story archetypes. Going back in the time, there's really seven types of stories right. that you can tell. Overcoming the monster, rags to riches, the quest, voyage and return, comedy, tragedy, rebirth. Okay. Every story that's been told, by and large, it's one of those seven themes. It's just the details of of the of the hero. Or, you know, what type of villain is it? That's the only things that change. It's all the same pieces that are interchangeable. Um, so with games, of course, based upon the genre and based upon the generation, that could be dramatically different from year to year. But I just, again, I don't see the advantage of not even attempting to infuse a story into your game. Because your imagination can work uh, if there's nothing. So, for example, if Super Mario Brothers was presented with the same exact characters, and but didn't tell you any backstory, didn't tell you this was the Mushroom Kingdom, didn't tell you this was Bowser trying to take it over, could you still get enjoyment out of that game? Absolutely, you right. can get enjoyment. 
but just giving you in the instruction manual, you know, the two or three paragraphs of backstory. It it livens up the entire experience because you can imagine yourself playing something uh, greater than what's on screen. You know, it's more than the sum of its parts sure. at that point. And I think that's where you have to remember that also uh, video games as a medium themselves, where you have a narrative, are less than 40 years old, right? Yeah. So even if the author makes a complaint that, well, it doesn't tell stories as well as, you know, movies or uh, TV or literature. We're working with something incredibly young. Yes. Literature has been around um, for, at least in English, uh, for about a little over a thousand years, right? Um, And then... TV and radio, uh, over a hundred years combined, just about. Oh well, yeah, radio, um, just about. Um, and then obviously theater, which can build up to movies. Theater's been around for for who knows since caveman days. When, I killed the mammoth. This is how I did. If it. you just if yeah. you focus on just literature and and, and theater, that's I enough. Mean, yeah, that's... and and plus the, the the difference also is that the main goal of video games is necessarily to tell a story. It enhances it. The main goal of creating a video game is to create an interactive experience that could be attached to a story. Right. So, it, I think it, it might catch up, but I don't think it will ever be obviously as grand as what you can do um, in terms of blowing you away. You know, TV, movies, since that's that's their bread and butter. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, it's always going to be gameplay first. Now let's attach the story to it on the back end. Ian. Do we have a scumbag? Scumbag? Seller? Seller? Uh, we have a... Uh, we of, have a the week. Of the week. The week. The week. This one is... Um, <clears throat> this one... This, this seller is, is, is scummy by way of... Uh, what's, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, disingenuousness? Uh, disingenuous? D- uh, deflection? Uh, trying to wash their hands clean of something. This, As of right now, there are still no bids on this on this, this on this slam of a deal. <laughs> Pokemon Game Boy Color Collection, crystal, gold, and silver with box collectors. Co- collectors, not collectors edition. Just collectors. And this is seller <clears throat> Easy, Easy, as in the letters Easy Stocks, Easy Stocks. That doesn't sound shady. Um, you can start the bid at eighty. So these are, let's see, it's a complete or just boxing game, Pokemon Gold version, Crystal version, Silver version. Yeah, it does not look like there's any manual here. Hint. Hint. Uh, You can uh, start the bidding at the low, low price of $80 uh, for these, or you can just buy them all outright for $250. So that is... um, so why does this strange to us, though? Well, first of all, that's $75 for the game and uh, a box, no manual, uh, I think. No, that's wrong. Whatever, my math. Well, I'm, this... I'm doing pat math. Anyways, so this is, here's the listing, though. Hello, this listing is for Pokemon Game Boy Color Collection. Crystal, gold, and silver with box. All caps. Please keep in mind that this might be a reproduction. I am selling this for a friend that got this from his brother a long time ago. This are not mine, but they have been tested, and they are working. They look in perfect condition. They were almost never used. How, how do you know they were almost never used if you got them from a friend who got them from his brother? Mr. Plinkett voice, how do you know that? How do you know that? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. That raises about a 500 flags in my head. 
uh, right there. Plus, if they're in perfect condition and the boxes are that crisp, then why are there no manuals there? There's no way someone lost all well, three manuals but managed to keep them in that well, perfect of condition. There's no close-up of the games outside, no, outside of them the, 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 cases. The, the cases either. So that so you can't even get a real good look at them. That was right? the first thing I tried to do. Uh, can you tell by by looking at the boxes, the box art? If you see any shadiness on there? Um, I tried to look, and I don't think I could get any. What about the case itself? Is it like a legit Game Boy? Uh, uh, there is character? actually something about that insert that I don't know why made me feel weird about it. The cardboard insert? Yeah, but I, I couldn't put a finger on it. I'm not an expert on, on the on the acrylic uh, Game Boy game cases, uh, so I couldn't judge that totally. Then again, you could always probably get one from a real game and put it in there. No, I was referring to like the actual like cardboard, yeah. But anyways, I just thought that that was too interesting uh, to pass well, up. Let's look at some of the other stuff they have for sale. And this is something I love to do. Yeah. And the first thing I see that I'm actually a bit on, by the way, this seller is in Israel. Um, the leather jacket coat like Highlander Matrix Vampire Dracula. Good condition. It's a leather duster. I might need one of those. I can hide my katana blade in. Oh, I just wanted to point out that this is uh, shipping, uh, economy shipping from China, Hong Kong, Taiwan. So Why does it say from Israel then? When you click on the other item. That, I, I don't know. But... Is that a red flag at all? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it okay, is. short. Yeah, that's a huge red flag for bootleg Pokemon. There's a PDP Super Smash Brothers controller fight pad. A James Bond DVD Ultimate Collector's Edition, rare limited edition, amongst other various items. Uh, so buy it now, two fifty. Place bid at eighty, which knocks out the buy it now. Uh, any, any other thoughts on this? So, so again, the deflection. We covered this. Remember that Atari uh, person who yeah. was quote unquote selling it for their dead father oh, the, or something? And yeah. come on, with the air raid card. Oh, it was the fake air raid that was like glued together, the handle on the top, yeah. the PVC piping. So, come on. You have to do your due diligence when you're selling these things. You know, you, you can ask around if you got it, if you know this might be something, uh, you know, fishy, especially if this is not a $2 item. This is either going to be, uh, you know, asking two fifty for it. Or just then, you know what, start the bidding at a dollar, you know, versus having someone maybe clicking on the two fifty buy it now without realizing it. You know, buyer beware, absolutely. But this shouldn't be allowed on eBay if it's if it's a counterfeit anyway as we know right ian nah. ian do you like to eat i do we've been enjoying this blue apron experience haven't we i have been blue apron they deliver pre-portioned seasonal ingredients along with a meal card to tell you how to make good food yeah chicken under a brick i managed it i was scared and i was intimidated but i followed the directions top to bottom and i made it it only took about i think it was like 20 minutes of prep about 45 minutes overall done Pat's very intimidated by cooking. Meal uh, for two people. I'm not. A, I'm not a master chef. I can make a meatball. You know, <laughs> I can make chicken fajitas, as you can attest to yes. smelling it. But you know what? I'm not. The, but this is the point. This is almost foolproof. They give you everything you need to make your meals, and it's fresh ingredients that arrive. Contrary wise, I, I I consider myself a fairly good chef, but I can't get out to the store lately. I've I've been sick. I hurt, uh, and uh, they will deliver you know all the stuff for meals for four uh, to my apartment. And um, you know, with it all being pre-portioned and right there, the produce is good. It's fresh. That's something I really like to commend them on. Is the produce is excellent. Um, it's 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 just prepared enough in the pre-portioned part of it that. I can get up and I can cook again, and that that's a mood booster for me. So it's been great. The food is good. The portion sizes are 
actually accurate when it says it's going to feed four. It feeds oh, yeah. four. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been very happy using it. So each meal usually is less than $10 per person per meal. But with this deal, they're sponsoring the podcast. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash unnecessary. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash unnecessary. U N N E C E S S A R Y. We'll try to get a shorter code in the future, but that's what we got right now. It's unnecessary, but your meals won't be. It's Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Have you ate? Don't hesitate. There you go. <laughs> and we got Loot Crate. Come back on board. Ian, we like the loot crate, don't we? Yes, we do. Recently, knickknacks. Check out this shirt. Just in time for Power Rangers, we got got the Power Ranger exclusive oh, that's, that's super with, cool. With, with the Megazord. What do you got there? You even get things like Lego Dimensions expansions for the Lego Dimensions game. Uh, this one is Wonder Woman with the invisible jet. Indeed. So you can you can put that together, and then you get a little game you can yeah. play. They did, they did the ones, uh, Lego Dimensions. Didn't they do like the the arcade, old school arcade ones as well? Yeah, they did at some point. But Loot Crate, you always get some some cool, you know, geek stuff. You get an exclusive tee. Sometimes you get an exclusive toy in there. Sometimes a Funko Pop. Um, you know. And this month's theme for May is, wow, what a coincidence. It's Guardians. What movie is coming out with Guardians <laughs> in the title? I have no idea. You don't know? Could it be Volume 2 of Guardians of the Galaxy? It could be Volume 2. Uh, it's going to have Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, something called Star Wars, that's that's a new hip franchise, Destiny, <laughs> that's a game, and oh my god, one of my favorite childhood uh, franchises, it's not really a franchise, it was one movie, Goonies! Ah, uh, yes. Love the Goonies, I still have the old poster somewhere. Nice. Where's that poster? Remember that one you used to get, with, I think it was like with a, a giveaway, would have the map on it? Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, one lucky subscriber will also win the Mega Crate. Featuring a premium four bet, format Groot figure from Shido Collectibles that stands over 22.5 inches tall. I guess that's life size. As well as many other prizes. I thought you were going to say feet. It's over. <laughs> That'd be it. They show up with a, a huge U-Haul. They just drag it out. So it's over $45 value in every crate for less than 20 bucks a month. Um, so if you want to get this crate, go to lootcrate.com slash pat. Enter code PAT to save 10% off any new subscription today. You have until the 19th of May at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive the May Guardians crate. If not, you have to wait for the June one, which I don't know what it is yet. I don't have that much intel yet about that. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, so, yeah, that's Loot Crate. We got a, a nice May coming up, and you got Star Wars, Goonies, Galax- Galaxy 2, Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> 2. <laughs> Lots of stuff happening. It's Loot Crate. Proud sponsors of the CU podcast. So how about uh, how about something that um, I didn't want to talk about at first, um, but since everyone else was covering it, like Boogie2988 um, and Philip DeFranco doing a good job covering this story. Great uh, job. Did a great job covering the ins and outs of this. And the only reason I decided to talk about this only because... The, this person who runs this YouTube channel knows who I am, and I guess is a fan of mine, and tweeted at me at the end of March. And I remember seeing the tweet originally, but didn't really know who it was, but then saw the retweets and likes. I was like, oh, this must be a prominent YouTuber, but didn't really look into it. Like you, I don't have time to really watch a lot of YouTube stuff. 
But boy, it came back to me within the past couple of days. Daddy O Five, um, which is a family of a, a, a man and wife and their five children, hence Daddy O Five. It's a vlog channel, uh, mainly, I suppose. I wouldn't know now because they deleted all their videos. And on the side, I guess they do quote unquote pranks. The difference being that the pranks usually involve the children. And most of the time, as this was being reported and people re-uploading the clips and everyone co- covering them, the children are the butts of the of the pranks. And these are not innocent pranks. I say pranking a child in general it could be kind of uh, precarious ground. These are vicious, vicious um, pranks that, from what I've seen in my opinion, are emotional mental abuse. Oh, that's from fucking Suplex's crying child. Oh, that was the, the, one of the brothers that did that. Oh, great. That he allowed. I looked like the brother threw the child to the ground. Um, so it was tough to watch <clears throat> these yeah, videos. I, mm-hmm. I teared up. Uh, I teared up a little bit. Mainly because for me, it hits home that you have two things that really resonate with me the most. Things that um, bother me. Um, abuse of children. Yep. Whether it's mental or physical. And also bullying. Mm-hmm. And this is the both. worst combination of both put together. And I think that's why this really has bothered a ton of people out there. Like, a ton of people. Um, fortunately, uh, there's backlash now uh, to this where people are like, whoa, this is fucked up. But how has it gotten to this point where this is such a big YouTube channel? Is what I'm struggling with. That's and, what hurts me the most, is that there were people out there that let it rise to this point. We're talking a channel that had over, over 700,000 subscribers. We're talking about a channel that got tons of views enough to make money off of these shitty videos. Videos where they, you know, get an iPad for the kid and then break it the next, you know, the next day. Or pretend to destroy uh, an Xbox One and then come back and see the kid crying, literally... Uh, He's crying. It's not acting. No, I, I know. And then, I don't need to relive it. But yeah. And then come back and say, oh, no, that was a fake uh, Xbox. <laughs> you know, it's horrific shit. Yeah. It's absolutely horrific. You don't know how uh, uh, someone like Child Protective Services didn't get involved before. Or they on their channel, they said they had, but probably didn't know about these videos. They probably know now. And it hence maybe one of the reasons why they had to delete all the videos and then put out a weird apology to do it. So... I saw a bunch of different angles on this. One is the you know sort of chasing fame, and they did get famous off of this. That they have, uh, let's see, how many YouTube subscribers? I just want to make sure because this is a number I would never get to. Uh, you know, putting this in the context, they but they got to this number of subscribers by putting out these these videos that are um, again horrific, and this is now a nationwide story. This major newspapers are running this. Yeah, uh, the Baltimore. Uh, Sun worldwide. This Sydney Morning Herald, the Sun. This is getting news like everywhere. Breaking news. Again, a, a great example. Sarcasm of big YouTubers getting into the mainstream for all the wrong fucking reasons. Seven hundred and sixty-five thousand subscribers. Seven hundred and sixty-five thousand fucking gross people. <clears throat> and I don't have since all the videos were deleted. Uh, besides their public apology, I have no idea how many views. Each one of these videos got, I'm assuming, at least a million or two that they can afford to um, keep these videos going. Uh, buy shit they can destroy and torture their kids with, saying, you know, oh, I bought you an, an iPad, Wait, let's destroy it. Um, obviously, the parents need help. 
the kids need help. The kids need to be taken away from The kids need help first. The kids need to be removed from that situation fucking immediately. Yes. Yesterday. Years ago. Yes. Um, So it's a terrible situation. I feel horrible uh, for the kids. The one kid in in particular that seems to be the focus of a lot of this. And he shows signs even in the videos of, of, of being traumatized. And other videos, uh, ones I saw, probably even a little PTSD that can happen in children. Uh-huh. Or something really bad happens, uh, something traumatic, and it changes your all. Your, it changes your how you how you look at things and react to stimuli. And I think that's what I always come down to is, unfortunately, children can't choose their parents. Uh, and parents out there, you have a great responsibility. Now, obviously, I'm not saying out there anyone's going to do as horrific a thing as this. These people have. I would hope you would not do that. But every little thing, how you treat your children, affects their psychological makeup, and that will be with them as they enter adulthood. And I'm hoping that these children get into therapy immediately, and that, especially the one in particular, the seven-year-old boy, uh, and that he can get to some sort of normalcy at some point in his life based upon this. It's going to take some time. You're hoping that being young enough, hopefully by the time he's a teenager, he can work through all this shit and and be in a better place overall. And I'm hoping that... um, I'm hoping something, I'm hoping that, yeah, I'm hoping these children end up in a safe environment. And again, the only reason I am really want to talk about this is because uh, this this person knows who I am. They tweeted that they want to see me and, and Cinemassacre. They said, can't wait to meet you and Cinemassacre at too many games. A convention coming up. I'm guessing he was going to show up. Um, I don't want to meet you, sir. I have no intention of wanting to meet you at this point. So maybe this is what it takes Maybe some if you, you complain about Philip DeFranco publicly that he doesn't know what he's talking about. So maybe maybe it means more coming from me since you respect my work that I don't want to meet you and get your shit together. But that's just my advice to you, sir. Um, you, you, as far as I'm concerned, you failed as a parent to this point based upon this evidence. And I just I wish the best for the children first and foremost, as does Ian. And hopefully you two can learn a lot from this as well as parents and as human beings. I wish the best for the children. I hope you get fucked. Uh, well. uh, Night Trap, Ian. 25th anniversary. Okay. <laughs> so. Night Trap! Night uh, Trap! So it's the 25th anniversary of Night Trap, the game... Uh, largely responsible, well, for the formation of the ESRB, or at least... Oh. <laughs> I told you to music. mute it. I did. God. It's mood music. <laughs> 25 years ago, Night Trap took over the world. <laughs> Damn it, Patrick. Um, so, uh, Night Trap was uh, a, a huge reason as to why the ESRB was formed. Um, it's a... Um, FMV game where full motion video. Yes, full motion video game. You and your hipster video game language. Everyone, I don't, I don't even have Donna Plato starred. Yep. From, from different strokes fame. Uh, and there's traps set up around the house, and you have you control a a basically a control deck that shows security cameras, and you have to set these traps to um, capture basically vampires who are trying to uh, kidnap what it's like babysitters. These are guys dressed in like black outfits. Right. Um, And you switch over to different cameras, different parts of the house and monitor them. And then I guess you get a warning if there's something bad happening, but but there's also pre-played pre-played scenes such as the infamous uh, scene where they, they sing and dance and 
have fun. So, <laughs> there's, so this this game there's the drill. The the infamous the one of the reasons why this all this was freaking a congressional issue was because the scene where you know the the, the the one woman the blonde's in lingerie and then she gets taken away by the vampire with the thing around her neck and dragged out, which is really the most suggestive part of the game where it's not there's no nudity, there's no real violence even shown per se in terms of I mean let's put it this way by today's standards it's absolutely PG. Yeah, by, by today's standards. But back then, it was a huge deal because it was also uh, real people, and people were still in the mindset, especially people like Joe Lieberman in Congress, that games should be for just for children, and that's what they thought they were still. Um, so it's getting a re-release. It's getting uh, an Xbox uh, One and PS4 digital release, and it's getting a, uh, and I think a PC uh, digital release. And uh, Limited Run Games is putting Limited. out a. Um, PS4 physical release with different, with different covers. With different covers, it's pretty cool because there was two Sega CD covers, and then I think they did one uh, that looks like a 32X cover or something like that. Well, yeah, there was three Sega CD covers. I don't remember. There were three CD, uh, Sega CD covers originally. It. There was the, the 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 iconic, I'd say, red one. That's what which I showed have. a little bit of cartoon cleavage in the bottom, but they yeah. complained and took that off the market. They then they re-released it uh, for the blue cover with da- da- Dana Plato on the bottom, where she's like. Looking yeah. back towards the house, and then they did the same one for the 32x version, which I have. And the real difference between the 32x and the Sega CD versions is you get a slightly better resolution. It goes from half a potato shot with to to a, a, you know a quarter of a potato shot with basically. <laughs> but that's what I want to talk about. Why I think this is a good idea because this will be the first time people can actually play this with like clear images and video. When you look at the trailer, you're like, "Wow, I never saw a night trap besides like I guess tr- promo footage where you actually can see it." pretty clearly how it was, you know, meant to be seen. Like, it looks like it was maybe not remastered, but they probably used the mastered Masters for this. And, yeah, like, Sega CD uh, resolution was really shitty. Oh, yeah. So this is, again, this is only standard definition, but it, this is, like, ten times better than what it was back then. Mm-hmm. So if you want to play a game that is probably more thought of for being humorously bad than horrific itself, you know, this is why it's back out there. And, um... I actually kind of enjoy FMV games. Uh, you know, lots of people will tell you that they're incredibly shitty, and they're not wrong. Um, but I, I like them. So this, this, this at the right price could be a pretty novel amusement. Um, and I, I, I really like the, the the guy who runs uh, Limited Run Games. I just really hope they can meet the demand for people who who want this, because uh, otherwise, I could see this one being bought up and scalped. Uh, you know. Pretty quickly. Well, is that, is that an issue with a lot of the, with limited run games? Is that um, it, it? It has been, yeah. And uh, I, I just, I, I hope you know, knowing what they know, that this one will, will turn out better for them, and people can get their hands on the physical copies. What's funny, I think, is that this is going to be rated T from the ERSB for the new one. Yeah, it is, which is humorous because, because originally it, it was was it MA seventeen or whatever it was, or MA back then. Mm-hmm. Right, it was for just mature audiences. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. So the progression of games now, where it's almost like, yeah, now you can shoot someone in the face and get a T rating. Back, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Ian, do you have fond memories of playing this? I think I had one friend who might have had a Sega CD that I think had this game. There was one sleepover where we played it, and it was, you know, was, did, did you beat it? No, but it was amusing. I mean, we went on, we we went on, we went on to play like Eternal Champions Sega CD, which I still kind of hold a fond place in my heart for. I never. This, so this was actually, I think, to close the topic. Was this ever released for the original 
version where this wasn't originally done for Sega CD. This was done for a whole other format, uh, correct? And then it never, then it got finally out to Sega CD and 3DO. This was made years before that. Uh, I don't know, actually. Well, to cover that in the video game years, 1990, let's see, 25. 1993. 92. <laughs> no, I don't know. 92, right? Yeah. 92. This portion of the CU podcast is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club where you can get great quality razors at an affordable price. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash podcast and sign up and get any razor for only a dollar with free shipping, no commitments, and you can cancel any time. Right here I have the Executive Razor, which comes with four cartridges that are disposable, and you get a good shave with this. And they have other ones to choose from. They also have uh, other... Items like, you know, body body soaps and things of that nature. This is a high-quality razor, an affordable price. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash podcast, And for only a dollar with free shipping, you can get one of these razors or others. And you can cancel at any time. They are a proud sponsor of the CU Podcast. Do some Q&A on the CU Podcast. Because I'm sputtering. At JH. At JHL Moon, Jessica. Hello, Jessica. Thoughts on retro stores clearly marking repro cards for exorbitant prices, i.e., $130 for a repro dinosaur peak? Um, yeah, I've always thought this was a, a fucking ridiculous thing to do. Just because the original game is expensive does not mean that the repro cart should be expensive. Um, it should be repro cards are dubious, and I don't know that. I, I, I uh... let me put it this way: when I go to a convention and I see repro cards for sale, I don't really bat an eye. I guess I'm just used to it. But in an actual store, I'm I'm weird on seeing repro carts. Um, <clears throat> if it's something that's never like come out possibly but if, if long and short of it if you if you're going to sell a repro cart in a store don't try to boost its value because it's a rare game a repro cart especially with another rom on it i mean isn't uh, you know one that's come out that's not a homebrew that's not legal um two um if you're going to try to get away with it anyways at least be a decent person in Charge the cost of materials plus like a small profit on top. And honestly, I, I don't I would even do that. I would say don't fucking sell, sell it. it. I would say don't sell it. Yeah, but I'm I, just I'm saying, not comfortable with any profit. No, honestly. but I'm just saying, if you're going to, I would say the the materials back is basically all you should really be able to get away with. On yeah, that. You, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't gain anything for your time because you didn't you didn't put it together yourself. You bought it from fucking AliExpress. First of all, oh, I, okay. I, I'm I'm talking about. I, I'm just saying, if someone there had made it, or if, no, at this point, all these are getting, getting bought from AliExpress Express. for nineteen dollars okay. each. Yeah, then fuck it. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no reason to cannibalize games anymore. We're way past. That yeah. Uh, so these are all coming from AliExpress. They're coming from China, other parts of Asia, um, and unfortunately, you do see it now. You do see at some shows, some video game shows, um, the ones that I like don't allow it. They'll see uh, repro games. They might be okay with the homebrew ones, where but they, but like the repros where people are you know selling repro dinosaur peaks. Absolutely no, not. no, that get, yeah, get that's fuck out. that sort of shit is a no go. Um, yeah, I guess I'm more thinking about because I always I always make it mistake it. I don't. 
when I say repro, I let things like Zelda hacks slide in there, and I guess that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, a repro like Dinosaur Peak, a straight-up AliExpress repro, one that's not, especially one that's not made by someone who had to cannibalize something or something like that, blow me at $130. That's I, fucking they're, ridiculous. They're trying, because at that point, they're trying to, they're trying to legitimize a counterfeit market. They're yeah. trying to say, well, this is an $800 game normally, so the repro is worth $130 when the cost of it was 10 yeah. to get, or whatever, 15 So they're trying to create, and I, and I will fight against this as, as for my, until my dying breath, that you, you, that's why I have zero tolerance for it. Zero. It's yeah. counterfeit. Yeah. It's the only difference counterfeit. is that it doesn't, they're not going to get in trouble because you, if you go to the police and sell, say, well, they're selling some repro Nintendo games, they'll be like, we don't care. But there's been, you know, going back in the day, you know, if these are like Armani bags that people smuggled over that they're trying to sell, oh no, that shit will be, you'll, you'll be in jail yeah. for selling that. Um, I think it was, what was the article I saw from the 80s when there was a bunch of like counterfeit gaming watches in the 80s that uh, were seized? Because Nintendo complained about them, you know, like so. Just because this games doesn't mean it can't get people's attention. But being that retro gaming is so niche, yeah, it's not like you're selling you know, like again designer clothing or uh, a fucking a knockoff TV with that says Sony on it, where you'll get you'll get the pain of people coming down on you. These are games that have been out of the market for so long that you know they wouldn't people wouldn't know or care or wouldn't be worth their time to go after them. You know, AliExpress has gotten into trouble though. Uh, and Ali, and I was at Alibaba, the, the father company, for uh, not doing enough to come down against counterfeit items because mm. it's just it's it's a wild west, obviously, for counterfeit items. Yeah. So, I think there has been some penalties against them from various countries. Obviously, the U.S. is one of the tops for trying to uh, combat piracy and counterfeit items. But obviously, you can still get whatever you want out there. But again, I don't see why why you wouldn't. These repos most of them look like shit anyway. You know, spending I, I, that hundred and thirty dollars, I would hope would never. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't even matter if it's. I don't care if it's clearly marked. I mean, it's still a counterfeit. You're still calling. I mean, you're still saying it's one hundred and thirty. That that's just ridiculous. Absolutely. All right, Ian. Was that is that all for the Ian topics this week? That's all for the Ian topics this week. Is this where everyone's going to just click off now? That it's going to be Pat Solo for maybe a couple more. Yeah, but no one's going to click off. They'll listen to you. You've got a handsome beard. I want to say that I support your beard. I don't know why people don't support your beard. I think it's 50-50. Is it? I think it's 50-50. Well, it's like the hair, but it's more of a galvanizing you more than the hair. Because the hair's been around for so long at this point. I've had long hair now for like four and a half. You look like, like an years. 80s private eye, and I think that's a good thing. Do 80s private eyes have beards? I'm thinking of Tom Selleck. He, he had a mustache. Well, he should have had a beard, too. He probably handsome with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Selleck would have looked good with a beard. All right. So, Ian, where can we catch you next? At Luna Video Games? Two locations? Chula Vista? You can catch me at Luna Video Games. Two locations. You can catch me on my couch with my cat. You will not catch me at Retro Spiel Messen. Uh, yeah. You might catch me at a convention soon. We'll, we'll catch you um, being on longer on the podcast maybe next time. <laughs> maybe. Because yeah. this was, this was a, an economical Ian's I'm sorry. Podcast. All right, Ian. I got to get you home. But then I'll be back to do maybe one or two more topics. Sound All right. good? Yes. Bye-bye. Love you. Movie news. Star Wars Episode Nine and the new Indiana Jones movie just got release dates. Now, we're not surprised that, obviously, Star Wars Episode Nine and 
and a new Indiana Jones movie have been in the works, but officially, Star Wars Episode Nine will try for May twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen, a year and a half after Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. A little ambitious because remember, Episode Eight originally was supposed to come out May of this year, as in a month from now, and they push it back uh, seven months, so it's two years in between each movie, which is still better than before when it was three years between the original trilogy movies and the prequels. Two years is, is doable. One and a half is pushing it, in my opinion, but we'll see if they stick to that. And then you're going to, you're going to have Harrison Ford returning for the fifth Indiana Jones film, which is going to be July 10th, 2020. And Harrison Ford by then is going to be about 75 years old, I believe. Let's see how old he is right now. Yes, he was old. No, no, he's going to be 80, close to. He's 74 now, and three years now, he's going to be 77 years old. He's going to be turning 77 right after the movie opens. And for King with a Crystal Skull, he was a spry, let's see, he was a spry 60, 66 for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull when that came out. That's already been eight years ago, about seven, eight years ago, between uh, Indiana Jones 4 and the current day right now in 2017. I'm actually kind of interested in the next Indiana Jones movie just because George Lucas will not be involved in any way, shape, or form. Famously, uh, what was dragging the production of the fourth Indiana Jones movie was that Spielberg, Harrison Ford, and George Lucas couldn't get on the same page. There was a Indiana Jones 4 script that went back to the late 90s, I think I believe it was Indiana Jones and the City of God. Uh, City of Gods. There was a script that was online that seemed to be that was what Harrison Ford and Spielberg wanted to do. Written by um, written by Frank Darabont. And so I think what happened was Spielberg and Joe, uh, Harrison Ford want, wanted to go forward, but George Lucas was saying, no, I want to do my story, my story. And what story was that? Well, it was, it was the alien story we saw in uh, Crystal Skull, which Spielberg and Harrison Ford really were not a fan of, but it got to the point where we're like, well, we can't wait forever. You know, Harrison Ford's in the 60s now. Let's just do the movie because people want to see it. And it was what it was. I thought a disappointing film. Saw it in the theaters. Have no desire to ever go back and see it again. And it'll, it won't even be on your top three Indiana Jones film list out there. I bet almost none of you will say that'll crack into the, the other three movies. So for that reason, I'd love to see an, uh, a proper, proper send-off. Except obviously pushing 80. I'm not sure how much Harrison Ford can run around and whip things and, and throw believable punches and, you know, get around like Pitfall Harry swinging around with, with his bullwhip. But we'll see. Or maybe it'll be a send-off movie. Maybe it'll pass a torch to someone. Maybe it'll get Short Round back in there. Uh, it'd be very interesting if Shia LaBeouf comes back. I highly doubt it. I think there'll be another character they'll introduce there as well uh, for you know future uh, films. Or maybe they'll just recast. Uh, like Young Indiana Jones had, had a few different uh, actors turn it into James Bond. Where every 10 years or so, 8 years, you just have a new, uh, fresh face uh, with the fedora and the nice leather jacket and the bullwhip punching out Nazis. I mean, hell, who doesn't want to see that happen? 
you know, I, I it'd be, it would be a shame to see the character. And and you know what? They spent billions of dollars, uh, Disney, to get the rights to Indiana Jones and Star Wars. They'll make more than one movie, you, you would think, or do something, whether a nice animated show in the future, you know, uh, something like that p- could possibly work and have Harrison Ford voice it. They're gonna Indiana Jones will be back, but uh, maybe not. Eh, maybe not movies right away after this final one. Maybe they'll wait like ten years and reboot it. Oof, God forbid, reboot it. Well, you don't have to reboot Indiana Jones. You can just tell another chapter in the story. You know, another tale in the saga, and just have someone else uh, play him. Sacrilege, sure, but back in the day, it was sacrilege to imagine anyone other than Sean Connery as James Bond. Um, and then, yes, Star Wars. Obviously, you're gonna have another uh, Star Wars movie every year until we're all dead. Which Disney's basically said. Uh, I'm not sure if Episode Nine is going to be the last of the saga, just because these one-off movies they're doing, like first Rogue One, and now with the Han Solo movie that I'm dreading because I don't want Han Solo. I don't need to see like a fresh-faced, you know, teenager Han Solo. I don't need to see him. I don't see the have have to see the actual, you know, card game where he won the the Falcon from Lando. I don't care about that. You know, there is a backstory already to how he, you know, uh, rescued Chewbacca and, you know, they sort of ran off together. I don't need to see it on film. It's in my head. It's going to be better up here than, than the disappointment that might be on film. But, you know, I think doing the the serialized story trilogies is a hedge, a, a bet hedge against doing these one-offs that honestly could fail. Like, Han Solo, uh, you know, that might do well. If they do a standalone Yoda, that might be, eh. You know, it's going to depend. They might, but they might do one that's awful, and people might, might be going, "Ooh, that one off that we just saw was bad." You know, the, you know, the the the, the prequel for Salacious Crumb. I, I wasn't expecting that movie, and that what that wasn't what I wanted. But you know what? They have another. You know, episode fourteen is coming out, and that should be good. So I think that's what they'll probably do. Is that every other year you're probably going to have the one offs versus, you know, episode fifteen through you know fifty. You know, they're going to keep going with those. So Spielberg will be back for the fifth Indiana Jones film, and then Jurassic World's Colin Trevorrow, and I have not seen that movie yet, Jurassic World, Colin Trevorrow will direct the last of the Star Wars trilogy, Episode Nine. So stick here to the CU Podcast for the latest and greatest in Star Wars and Indiana Jones news. Just kidding. We'll probably talk about it just when the uh, last trailers come out. Oh, no, a trailer just came out. Oh, I missed it. Damn it, I should have did a react video. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the CU Podcast. If you aren't currently subscribed, you may do so on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or whatever platform of choice you use to listen to your favorite podcasts. You can like the podcast, you can leave a comment that helps us out, or if you want to directly support us, you can go to patreon.com slash CU Podcast. Again, I'll be at Retro Spill Messen in Norway, May 20th and 21st. I also have the Not So Common podcast. Check out that. Check that out on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, etc., where I, uh, you know, do a more one-on-one with YouTubers or also talk about political issues, social commentary, things of that nature. That'll probably evolve to being every other week. Uh, you know, the off week of the CU podcast will be a Not So Common podcast. I'll always try for that. If not, keep it up every week. There's also a Flea Market, Man- Flea Market Madness that just came out. There'll be a new Path the NES Punk video in the works. Also, check out the Ultimate Game Guide for NES on the Google Play Store or uh, at the Apple Store. And, of course, I have that NES guide 
book out there as well for you to check out at ultimatenes.com. If you want to advertise with the CU Podcast, shoot an email to cupodcast at thepunkeffect.com. And that's all. I'll have to edit this bad boy and get it out. But I'll see you guys in a couple weeks with Ian back again with his hurt little tummy. All right. Bye. <laughs>